25 stories that made MLS. Our dog JJ sniffing around. The oven is on. We're cooking up pizzas. I'm Nital Ramen. And I'm Tula Ramen. This is episode 25. Five, five, five. Last episode. Last episode. Well, we're probably going to do like a finishing thoughts bonus ode or something. We are. The last official episode. Of the 25. I mean, before we start, any reflections on the 25 stories that we are... We haven't finished the 25th, but like, of the series. What was the question? <laughs> Do no, you have any, re- what was the question? Any, any reflections? Like, any reflections, any thoughts on, like, the entire series so far? I thought we were going to... I thought we would do that for the bonus episode. Well, so far, it's been super educational. I've learned a lot. And um, it's a good time to listen to these because uh, the league is not happening right now yeah i mean listen if you uh if you're looking forward to games i'll be back on shortly but if you're just starting weird that you're starting at episode 25 but you know do you (laughs) do you um if you're finishing yeah if you're if you're going about this like a memento kind of thing going backwards yeah yeah. going backwards yeah um if you uh if you're finishing up and you've enjoyed this let us know and then also like you know, tell friends about it. Uh, like I said, this is evergreen content. It's going to last for a long time. So we're, we're stoked to, to wrap this up. So how are we wrapping this up, by the way? So I feel like it's really important to end on a note of... Um, of The fans? Uh, fans and optimism yeah. and a story of hope. And so this one is about saved the crew. Saved the crew. Ooh, past tense. Saved, saved. the crew. Um. Before I start, if you hear clicking in the background, that's, that's the, uh, oven, that's heating the oven heating up. So um, deal with it, you know. Uh, this story starts in July 2013. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember 2013. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. Uh, Clark Hunt, he's the, he's the son of uh, Lamar Hunt. Mm-hmm. He announces that they've uh, sold the Columbus crew. Um, Kind of fulfilling kind of what we mentioned, eventually all the owners agreeing that there should only be one operator per team, right? Right, right. So if you remember way back in Uncle uh, Uncle Phil's Ranch. Man, I, sorry, I, I totally forgot that the crew were sold less than a decade ago. Yeah. It feels longer. Yeah. But like Uncle Phil's Ranch, that was um, what two thousand and one or two thousand two. Then one of the stipulations where we need to get owners to only hold yeah. on to one team at because, a time. Because at that point, the league was about to fail, and there was only three owners that owned all the teams, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of the plan was build stadiums, but also start getting new owners, and eventually, long term, the the goal was to have make sure no more than one. And there's no owner that has more than one team operating yes. more than one yeah. team, right? And so part of that is the Hunts. You know, they had Sporting Kansas City, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, Kansas City Wizards at the time. Dallas, Dallas became FC Dallas, and they um, and Columbus Crew. And uh, we had we already told a story how the Hunts sold um, Kansas City, which eventually turned into Sporting Kansas City, um, and helped revitalize that team. Mm-hmm. Um, FC Dallas is the team that the Hunts uh, kept. And so they were going to sell the Columbus crew. And the crew is, you know, just to remind everyone, steeped in history. A lot of it due to the fact that Lamar Hunt built the first soccer-specific stadium, which we did an episode on. Yep, that happened uh, there. 
in Columbus in 1999, right? Yeah. And that, it becomes the home of, not just the Columbus crew, but also a lot of really famous U.S. soccer games. I mean, Dosa Cero is born there, right? And so when they're selling the crew, they're not selling just the rights to operate a team. They're selling basically um, a team and a club that's steeped in history. Yeah. And they sell it for a record then. It's for $68 million um, to a guy named... Anthony which you couldn't, which you could not buy a club for that much. Now, now, no, yeah. no fees are like two hundred mil now. Yeah, um, but in twenty thirteen, sixty eight million dollars is a record, right? And so, um, to a guy named Anthony Precourt. So Precourt is also, not. Also, twenty thirteen was a centennial for U.S. soccer, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a big year. Yeah, it was a big year, less than a decade ago, right? Yeah. And so Precourt is uh, from San Francisco. So if you remember the Kansas City story. Like they sold to a team, uh, local owners. Mm-hmm. So Precourt is not a local person, right? He's from San Francisco and he is in private equity and he's buying a team that's like steeped in soccer history um, for all the reasons that we just said, right? And Precourt also, I don't think had, you know, as we went through the other owners, most of them either own sports teams in the past or own like like land. That wasn't necessarily the case here. I mean, he, he had a private equity firm, and so that's where he got his money from. And so he actually already attended his first Columbus Crew game um, yeah. beforehand. So he bought it. It was announced in July of 2013. He was actually at a game in April of 2013, late April. And it was kind of ominous, but uh, in that game, the scoreboard at Crew Stadium lit on fire. Was that before... It was bro- It wasn't broadcasted, right? I don't know. I don't remember it. I don't remember. I don't remember I seeing it, it on yeah. TV. I only remember reading about that. Yeah, it caused a giant delay in the game, but the scoreboard lit on fire. Um, but despite all that, I mean, uh, Precourt bought the team, and uh, he did it with some changes in mind. So he uh, he had an outline of four different things he wanted to do. One is getting naming rights for the stadium. So back then, it was called the Columbus Crew Stadium. Mm-hmm. So selling the naming rights. Two, upgrade the facilities. Three, get new suppliers, specifically the food, right? Um, four, update and redo the visual identity. If you remember the old crew logo, just up your alley. Oh, yeah. The hard hat. Yeah. Like the three guys. In gray. Yeah. It was yeah. Not, it was not great. New logo is amazing, though. So they, um, so Precourt brings in an executive. He used to be the VP of corporate partnerships at the Detroit Pistons. And part of his deal is selling tickets, but also um, trying to uh, get the naming rights. And so he sell, they sell the naming rights to um, Mapfray, which is an insurance company. Um, so check, right? Um, they also find record highs in 2014 in paid attendance. They uh, increased revenue by 35% based upon the new, um, uh, the new naming rights, but also like by switching over the food vendors and switching kind of their food strategy. And they unveiled like a new design and logo, um, which, you know, I think it actually looks great. Yeah. The new logo is very German-esque, but like it's great. Yeah. Um, and by 2015, the attendance is averaging close to 17,000 a game, right? So good. yeah. From... From an external standpoint, every like listen, there was articles written about how well it was going, right? Um, behind the scenes, though, there was also, in the first two years, an unofficial relationship with the Austin Te- Aztecs, which is a USL team. Okay. And they were like, Columbus Crew was running preseason tournaments together with the Aztecs, um, and 
which feels a little weird because like most if you're not having your own usl team like you're having a relationship with a team that's really nearby and i don't know if you've super seen a map far. yeah columbus and far and austin are not near each other right no, so it's kind of a weird kind of partner to have um also, so what's the deal behind that? Yeah, so in, I'm going to get there. So in 2016, the mayor of Austin, uh, his Steve Adler, so Mayor Adler, was actually contacted by Major League Soccer and saying, the, the league was saying that they were doing a study to see the viability of an MLS team in Austin. Again, this is weird because... What year was that? 2016. So just three years later? Yeah, three, uh, yeah, three years later, yep. Um, it's weird because like there were no active bids for expansion that was coming from Austin, right? So we have to have strike over here. Yeah. And so the Columbus crew, you know, announced to fans that they were surveying, um, the Columbus crew were like basically, um, announced to, uh, to fans, uh, as a complete shock, right. In 2017 in October, that Precourt and their organization announced that, like, hey, we're looking to actually maybe move the crew to Austin, right? So this is now four years after he bought the team. Mm-hmm. Um, two years after a lot of articles were written about how well it was doing and, like, there were upgrades in attendance. And, um, and it was a real shock. But one of the things that came out underneath it was that there was uncovered that Precourt, when he bought the Columbus crew, it said in his deal that he could not move the Columbus crew except to Austin specifically. Who set that down? So I guess it was part of the deal when he bought it from the Hunts. It was like, I'm not going to move this team with the exception of Austin, right? Um, and apparently... But that's coming from him. Like, is he the one who... I, I don't know who put it in. Right. But, like, but it, it, was, was, it was just It was part there. of the deal okay. in 2013. It just wasn't public knowledge. Because right? I was going to say, it's like within a couple of years... There's all these things happening that are is setting up that kind of structure. It's like that that had to have been the plan all along, I would think. I, I think if you read and you talk to the people of Save the Crew, I think that that's what they would say. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you re, I, I'm going straight off like facts, can I find a source that yeah. says that? I don't know if I can find a source that says that. Right. I know a source says it's, it was there when he bought it. No, source. let me carbon footprint this man's intentions. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like uh, I, I have a, I have an article that says clearly, you know, um, that uh, the the deal was already there from the beginning. That there was talks well in advance. That Major League Soccer was doing studies in 2016 before it was public. Mm. So, but I don't have uh, I don't have any kind of definitive definitive thing. Yeah. So I don't want to I don't want to make that leap. But you can you can make that leap if you want. <laughs> you as a listener <laughs> you as a listener or you you as my brother yeah do, do what you gotta do man um all right so yeah complete shock to everyone 2017 um fans and local media were super shocked specifically the crew were doing really well as a team at that point yeah. in 2017 right this is burr halter doing really well and throughout um and a few like the following days um it was leaked that the columbus crew was actually bottom three in most business metrics in major league soccer Things like revenue, things like uh, corporate sales, things like um, uh, like corporate box tickets. Like they were the pioneers in soccer-specific stadiums, but falling behind now. Yeah, and I think I think there is probably some truth in that they have the oldest stadium, and it wasn't built thinking about the modern structure of like you need a stadium that has yeah, a lot of corporate sense. boxes, right? right? 
But it is also very different than literally two years before where you would read sports business articles about how well the Columbus crew was doing, right? Mm -hmm. So, but all this stuff is about being leaked to the media. Local business owners, there's a a group called the Columbus Partnership, which are a group of uh, leaders of local businesses around central Ohio. And they told um, publicly, they were like, hey, we try, we try to inquire about purchasing either all the team or 50% of the team, but we were completely rebuffed. Like, Precord does Isn't not that want illegal? to sell. What do you mean? Is that legal? What do you mean? Like, don't they need to have a chance to... Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to it. We'll get to I was it. Just, I was just speculating. I don't know. No, yeah. we'll get to it. Um, no, I think Precord and the organization deny that there was ever a real offer made. So, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but he did say, listen, we're going to look at both Austin and Columbus. So specifically, if we don't get a brand new private stadium uh, in downtown Columbus that's publicly helped publicly with public financing, you know, then we're going to have to really like go to Austin. Right. And so the fans, I mean, some of these fans have been around since day one in 96. Right. This is a, again, a club. Say most of them. Yeah. And so one of them um, ends up becoming kind of the spokesperson for Save the Crew, and his name is Morgan Hughes. And he's a season ticket holder since day one, small business owner in Columbus, Columbus native, mm-hmm. um, or cl- small business owner in Central Ohio. And then he was shocked, right? And he goes and he talks with, like, the former and current kind of crew radio announcer, and he's, like, kind of in, like, mourning of this, right? Um, but then he comes to a realization, like, hey, you know, now's not the time to mourn. Now's the time to fight back, right? Now is the time to fight for our club. Right. And so he met up with his friends and fellow supporters at a bar. And instead of like mourning, they were like, we need to organize. And that's in that bar is where Save the Crew was born. Do you know what bar it was? I should have the name of the bar. I think someone will give us a shout. Um, if you wait until the end, I will give you the name of the bar. Because this is definitely in the articles. Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. Um, and so... In that place, Save the Crew is born, right? And so if you listened, you know, we share kind of two stories that were similar to this. One was the earthquakes right? with AEG talking about, oh, no, we're staying. No, actually, we're going to move to Houston. Yeah. And it kind of just happened. Um, and it took multiple years without a team there before a new owner came in, a new expansion team. They built back up from scratch, right? Um, and the second one we talked about was Kansas City, yeah. where... There was rumors about, you know, the hunt selling maybe to a, a team or a different city, but eventually it was found local ownership, right? So we've had stories that go both ways on this, right? Um, so what was the plan from Save the Crew? Step one was show the support and strength of the supporters, right? So a week after the public announcement, um, to get all the crew moving, they got 2,000 crew supporters to rally at Columbus City Hall, which is amazing. And there was yeah. like... Live testimonials from local business leaders, radio personalities, former players on why like the club meant so much to them, why the club needed to stay. But it was a physical public display of like, no, we yeah, want it's the gonna team make here. the news no matter what. Definitely gonna make the news, right? Yeah. All also because the, they weren't playing home that week, but I don't know if you remember this, but like literally every MLS home game, the supporters from other clubs had Where, saved, yep, yeah. have saved the crew banners up in almost every single stadium, right? Yeah. And because I think from an MLS fan standpoint... It's, a, it's history. It's history. Yeah. It felt, it felt weird and it felt like not 
we we empathize i think with the crew fans right and so like of course you want to save the crew um and what was the response the crew front office a few days later offered kind of refunds of the 2018 season tickets for any fans that wanted out so they were like which i doubt many people took yeah but like it's it's kind of a crazy like hey we're we don't know if we're viable but we're still gonna think we're still saying hey we're gonna look at both columbus and austin but by the way, if you don't want your season tickets, we'll refund you. It's a weird... It's a very strange thing, yeah. Very, very weird reaction, right? So the next, the home game, the first home game since this thing is announced, crew supporters kind of showed a giant TIFO. Yeah. And the TIFO said, respect our roots. Um, and like basically the fans chanted, save the crew, basically the whole game. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, the, the core team that made it, um, that was driving the movement, the leadership team, right? They divided into different committees to focus on different elements to influence, right? There's a team that was trying to influence the government, team that was trying to rally up support from local businesses, teams that were uh, doing marketing support or press outreach. Um, and one of them was like actually David Miller. And he's actually not just a fan, but um, the current press secretary of the Columbus City Council. So he's like connected into the oh, okay. in yeah. local politics, right? And... The actions that they took, honestly, like, listen, if you look at their website, it is equivalent for any political advocacy group. Like, it was really organized, <laughs> like super organized. If you go to the website now, obviously, they already saved the crew, but you'll see how organized it is. Like, there's a newsletter you could have signed up for to get more news on it. Um, you can find the nearest supporters group by you, like, basically organized to, to connect with other fans. Um, businesses can sign up and say they're an ally, which basically said they're financially supporting sort of endorsements. Almost. Yeah. Supporting in the club saying, and if you are a person that were like, all right, I want to support businesses who are doing that. There was like a map. So if you're like, I'm looking for a restaurant in this area that's supporting the Columbus crew, you can go and find that. Right. Yeah. Super, super organized. And they're also running constant media interviews, like to yeah. make sure that there's like public pressure on this. Right. All right. So fast forward November. 2018 MLS season is closing. Um, this is probably around the time they beat Atlanta in the playoffs. Um, 2000, that was 2017. Ah, sorry. So now we're talking 2018, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Austin City Council, so approved the city manager to start looking at city-owned areas to be used for a stadium specifically. And on top of that, Precourt announced that he wasn't looking for any public funding at all for the building of the stadium itself. He was just looking for help for the land. Okay. Um, again, all this would point to like, I know the organization is saying they're looking at both Columbus and Austin, but it seems it very... seems like their mind is made up. Yeah. All right. So as this is progressing over there, the Save the Crew group basically influenced the attorney general of Ohio at the time, Mike DeWine, who I think is the governor now. Mm -hmm. um, and because the original Columbus Crew Stadium used public lands, which was the flare grounds, we talked a little bit about that in the episode around... Um, the stadium when it was first built and they've done some repairs using public money there's a law which i think you were referring to in ohio called the art model law which i know nothing about i just i just basically thought in my brain it's like that sounds fishy yeah so the art model law is named after the guy who moved the cleveland browns to the baltimore okay. and and basically did it in secret and just announced it Right, even mm -hmm. though he used public money on on the brand. That's what I. That's what I was not computing. It's like if you used public money, yeah, but you make such a private private decision like that, yeah, you're. 
I don't know. It just sounds messed up. So the law says if you use public lands, this is Ohio specifically as a reaction to what our model did back in 96. Okay. Um, the law says if you use public lands or funds, you have to give six months notice, like official notice to the, to the city that you're moving. And you have to give local buyers a chance to purchase the team. Okay. Um, so, so with that law, now there's a chance. So DeWine, DeWine, as the attorney general, files a lawsuit on behalf of Ohio, and it's brought to the uh, forefront of a state representative, the uncle of a longtime uh, crew fan. So there's yeah. enough political kind of resistance, right? Right. Where I would imagine if you're on the other side, who knows like the legalities of it? I'm not a lawyer. Um, I'm not pretending to be one. But I would imagine at, at even at its most... Uh, innocent it's probably like annoying to be on the other side to have to deal with a lawsuit like that right 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 um fast forward a few months later garber announces that cincinnati will be the next mls expansion franchise in ohio in ohio and that was actually kind of a surprise too although cincinnati as a team was like killing it on attendance standpoint Mm -hmm. happy for cincinnati fans but it was like and their their like their usl team was just making waves too yeah their usl team was like killing it in the open cup and right, right. Uh, and they were like getting huge crowds. Happy for them, but again, if you're a crew fan, you're seeing Austin is progressing. Cincinnati is getting a team in mm-hmm. Ohio. I can only imagine how frustrating this must all be, right? Like to be a fan in all this, and like the team is good. It's not they're not bad. They're I mean, good. Uh, think about like San Jose fans. Yeah, you know, and when that team what, was Houston, winning MLS like, Cups, what are we gonna do? We're we gonna watch LA Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. You know, or we're going to watch Houston right. Dynamo now, like yeah. with our players. Anyway, credit to the crew fans. Again, this is a story about the perseverance of fanhood and, and optimism because they, they pressed on, right? In August, a judge kind of denies the request of MLS and the Columbus crew to dismiss the lawsuit. So it's annoying. It's annoying them, to be sure. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the crew organization sent in a proposal officially to the Austin City Council. They found a place called McCalla Place, city-owned land. They would build a stadium. Precourse organization would pay $550,000 a year in rent, and they would fund the $200 million stadium on their own. And it would get... No public funding. Public... I mean, I don't think there's official public funding, but mm-hmm. I, I would imagine the value of the land is probably worth more than $550,000 in rent. Right. So I, I'm sure that's the subsidy. But he, he is paying, for, paying out of pocket to build a stadium. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it would. It actually it got approval, but it wasn't unanimous. It was. Uh, it got Austin City Council Council approval by seven to four. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So at this point, I mean, I remember this very clearly, mm-hmm. and I'm like, the writing's on the wall, right? It feels a lot like like Santa. it's done. Yeah. It feels like it's done, right? And lo and behold, I think in a few weeks later, pre court has an announcement. It displays Austin's new colors. Yep. Matthew new McConaughey. Yep. <laughs> Uh, logo name and you're like like from the outside I'm like this is I, I remember writing a tweet being like listen I think best case scenario is the San Jose situation Columbus loses their team for a few years and they come back and they after come like back five six seven years or yeah like that. they come back new stadium better than ever it's gonna suck for a few years to watch your team that's pretty good do really well in a different city um, but I I for sure as a fan was um, was feeling that way, right? Um, 
And so Austin is announced they're entering the league in 2021. And normally, like I said, this is a cause of celebration. Like whenever a new team comes in MLS, I think most MLS fans are super happy about it. But Not like, the case with this one, right? Yeah, I think it's mixed feelings. Mixed feelings, right? And yeah. nothing gets fans in Austin. Like we uh, we did an interview with um, the fans down there and the supporters club down there, and now I think they're going to be great. Um, but it didn't feel great celebrating moving a club that meant so much to the league and to U.S. soccer, right? Uh, the crew was Columbus crew was still playing, and the crew fans were still fighting. So behind the scenes, the team doctor of the Columbus crew, Dr. Pete Edwards, um, he's been the team doctor for a while, but he's his main business, his successful business is a private firm, right? Okay. So he's, he's fairly successful. And he links in with uh, Jimmy and D. Haslam. Jimmy Haslam, um, if you don't know him, he made his money uh, from being a CEO of Pilot. If you don't know Pilot, Pilot is like large, basically large convenience stores, but they're around truck stops. Uh, no, if you're I've not a truck it. driver, you might not yeah, know. I, in my line of work, I know Pilot. Um, but uh, he made his money through that. Uh, his wife, Dee Haslam, made her money in TV production. And uh, in 2012, they actually purchased the Cleveland Browns for a billion dollars. So Jeez. they have a lot of money, and they're also local in, in, in Ohio. So Jimmy, D, and Pete, they all came together. They were like, you know what? We can make an offer. And here's what the offer came out to be. $150 million for the rights of the club. So this is basically their expansion That's fee. That's basically expansion fee. Right. Yeah. So pre-court... Precourt is taking his rights to operate down to Austin. They're like, all right, we're going to pay an expansion fee, but we're going to take the club from here on out. Uh, we're going to remake Mapfrey Stadium into um, a community sports center and a training ground. And then we're going to uh, pay for a new downtown stadium worth about $250 million. Yeah, and that's the, actually, that's kind of what, if I'm getting this correctly, that's what Precourt wanted, right? So if, if that was one of his like demands. It's like I want a new stadium downtown. Yeah, downtown. But like I think what's different is like these guys at least have local roots in Ohio. Yeah, and so they have a lot of support. They have a support, and and they are getting public funding. So city and county are helping with public funding. But part of that deal is that the city, the team cannot leave Columbus. Yeah. So it's like permanently has to be in Columbus, right? And so in October, like again. For the people who did save the crew, I think this was a hugely emotional moment. But and for fans of MLS, a really positive moment. But for me, I could be honest, I was surprised by it. Don Garber and MLS announced that the, a bid was received and it looked good that Columbus was going to stay with new ownership, right? And it was officially finalized ahead of the 2019 season. And just like that, the Columbus crew were saved. So I thought it was really important to tell this story. Um, I think you got to end it there. Yeah, you got to end it there. Like that's name me one sports franchise that has been saved by fans. This is the greatest grassroots movement by fans, I think, in the history of sports in America. I gotta say so because I can't think of a story like this with any sports team. Usually, when the owner wants to move, they do it. They 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 figure out a way to do do it, it and and they let that ripple kind of go out and then make the rest of the world deal with that. We've seen it in Seattle to Oklahoma City in the NBA, like mm-hmm. the uh, Cleveland Browns moving to Baltimore in the NFL. Like, you're right. And normally in, the, in American sports, if it's really wanted by the owner, it happens. And so a story where the fans organized so well, right. where they came together, where the most, like, forget 
who you rooted for in MLS, you're probably rooting for the crew to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And for them to organize so well and eventually Even after beating Atlanta at Atlanta in penalty kicks in the playoffs, it's like, you know, good for you guys. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta fans here were definitely pro crew, right? So like, And so I think it just underlines, one, that this league, first and foremost, I know the majority of the stories I've told are business-oriented. But the foundation of this league are the hardcore supporters of the of the clubs. Yeah, the people who are in supporters' clubs, the people who were there on day one before all of this was popular, or at least as popular as it is right now, the people who spend their weeks making tifos, like they're the ones that are the heartbeat of the league. Right. Right. And I think this is a story that underlines the strength of that heartbeat and how powerful fans are at the end at the end of the yeah day. absolutely because it was it was like not only yes the organization from crew fans is yeah. like phenomenal and then on top of that like it, it being recognized by the rest of the league and then everybody kind of having this moment of solidarity to kind of care together is like i don't i haven't really witnessed that yeah anywhere else and so I, I've, talked, I've talked a lot about like business models and I've talked a lot about like um, you know rules and structures of financial things but fundamentally what's going to make the next 25 years after the first 25 years work really well is going to be the passion of the fans yeah. people people like the people behind Save the Crew that are super passionate and want to get other people involved to support their club and create that sense of community and connection and really want this league to succeed. That's the that's the heartbeat of the league. And um, and everything else kind of builds on top of that. So I thought I thought it was fitting to end our twenty fifth story on on what I think exemplifies that the most, which is save the crew. Definitely. Definitely. And that's it. That's episode twenty five, man. That's it, man. We did it. <laughs> we we did it. You did it. Uh no, we did it. No, we did it, but like you did it. But we did it. But we did it. Um sources? Yeah, sources. All right. First I gotta give a shout shout out to to Keith Nas. Um he was a, a guy who was part of the original Save the Crew movement. He um helped me out on the Twitter and, and he read the outline, helped proofread and make sure I got my facts straight on that. Um so What's thank his, you, uh, Keith. Twitter handle? At Keith K Nas N A S S. Um so give him a follow. Um how so first article how columbus saved the crew by arlo moore bloom um, for w burr precourt takes thoughtful approach in remaking the crew uh for the sports business daily this is the article that i uh mentioned that came out around 2014 2015 about yeah. the improvements on the crew uh columbus crew angling towards relocation in 2019 by grant wall the goat in si um, save the crew a timeline of Columbus efforts to save the soccer team uh, on the desk in the dispatch and then crew fans gather at City Hall to uh, protest by Chelsea Wiley for the Columbus Navigator and uh, something from me guys if anybody out there listening is worried about these pizzas we have not popped them in the oven yet yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we're about to eat though. it's okay we're about to eat. We, th- these pizzas have not been cooking there's no fire in the apartment we're good um But everybody stay safe out there, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this limited series, and we'll be coming out with a bonus ode to kind of recap things and then maybe talk about what we might do in the future. 
podcasts. Right, and um, if you enjoy this, like I said, tell a friend about it, tell other people about it, because um, it helps us. Cool. Thanks. Ciao. Bye-bye.